0: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Today is a special episode for several reasons, but the, the number one might be that we are, for the first time, recording from our home studios. Yes. So... Samantha, why don't you describe to the listeners where you are recording from? Well, I think I've already showed a
1: video uh, myself trying to set up this amazing, amazing equipment. Oh, top um, notch. Thank you. It was a 16-minute video, which should have been a two-minute video.
0: <laughs> oh God, mine! If I had recorded all of mine, it would have been very long and a lot of cursing. I lied. I said it was a little cursing. It was a lot.
1: <laughs> I do like that. The, there were several listeners. I'm like, yes, thank you. Keep it real. Show the struggle. <laughs>
0: And it was a struggle.
1: Um, I am now in my dining room. I have kicked out my dog because she is too loud. And when she hears any noise, and especially with me being around almost all the time now, I think she's hyper aware that something is happening. But uh, I'm in my dining room literally sitting with my laptop, a mic, and my headset's kind of on my head because the way we're recording it is through Skype. But at the same time, we're using audio equipment that our super producer, Andrew, is going to have to fix and splice together. Thank you very much. Um, I'm definitely in pajama pants. No bra. A little bit of wine. Mm -hmm. I did did at least brush my teeth and wash my face today, though.
0: I feel like I've been pretty good at maintaining some semblance of I put on clothes, and I wash my face, and I shower, and I exercise. But who knows how long that will last?
1: I definitely only exercised for the first time yesterday for about 30, 45 minutes. Um, If you follow my Twitter, you will see that it did not really help in comparison to all that I've ingested. Mm, Just saying. mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is a struggle. (laughs) Yeah, I uh, am recording from my closet. Yes, I see all the games. Yeah, there's games and books and mostly costumes. This is my costuming closet. You have um, a really big closet. Thank you. I don't know why I feel so proud yeah. to have a big closet. Go ahead. A lot of people who have visited my apartment don't even know this exists. And then when I show them, they're always like, oh, wow. Um, but uh, yeah, it's It's cozy. It's cozy. I uh I put a I posted a picture as well if anyone wants to see it. Um, but it is right next to a window and I've done my best to soundproof. But if you hear birds or traffic, uh just bear with us as we work out the kinks right. in this system. So how how is your uh quarantine going? I will say I have been a lot luckier than some.
1: I do have a partner, I think I've talked about him a little bit. Uh where he is around because he's literally my downstairs neighbor. Yeah, that's a whole big story. And so essentially we live together, but don't. So we can be away from each other, Mm. but together. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a perfect little setup. I will say that. I feel like I'm I'm definitely getting antsy. I think that's the Mm. best word I can think of it. uh, Because I I get into the point where my house gets cluttered with things. And I'm at this point sure. where everything's cluttered, but at the same time, is kind of there for a purpose. But I'm mm-hmm. feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Sure. Uh, but I think I'm doing okay. Everything is, I know that I'm faring better than most. So I feel very privileged in that. But how, how are you doing? Because I know you were alone. And that makes me, it gets me a little worried.
0: I am a, I'm a very social creature. And I, I know I talked about in our trauma miniseries, one of the ways I cope is by constantly keeping myself busy. And that is harder to do when you can't leave. <laughs> right. And uh, like Atlanta, of course, Atlanta is miserable weather for months. And right when the city is like, everyone, do not leave your place. It's beautiful outside. It is so gorgeous. It's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. Um, but I have been staying in touch with people. And we're working on, you know, the virtual watch parties. Samantha and I are talking about doing some of those ourselves. So finding these virtual ways to to have company and to keep contact with people has been really, really helpful. Right. I think if people, I will say, I do love the fact that we're almost more in touch
1: with each other now than we were, I know. We were before because we're like, hey, um, and I was talking about a previous episode where we have just a uh, an app, whether it's the go to meeting Zoom, whatever, and we have it up all day. Not necessarily because we're watching and talking to each other all day, but the option of hey, this is what just silly yeah. this, this silly thing just happened, and we've right. never done that before. But now that we're like, oh, this is what we can do now that we are absolutely all alone or with only the one person who may not understand what we're talking about in comparison to. So that has been kind of nice to see. I I mean, when it comes down to communication wise it's been nice to see in trying to bond with each other and i will say yeah this definitely has brought in a whole level of i think this is when people talk about going in through like a military service together where only you guys know what it feels like to be in that weird situation this quarantine life has kind of put us all on that same
0: page yeah like globally <laughs> yeah it really has it has um and I did want to, a quick note before we get into our episode, um, did want to say we were pretty far ahead before this happened. right? Um, so you're going to hear some episodes that we recorded in the before times right? Um, come out after this one. Uh, and I think it will be pretty obvious which ones those are, but just wanted to put that out there. We are doing our, we are doing our bit, we're quarantining, we're social distancing, but there are some episodes you're going to hear that we recorded in some cases, like months ago, right, um, that are only gonna just come out probably in April. So there's that note, and uh, relevant to this episode, which is a, a book club episode. I remember when we first said, like, let's we're gonna make this book club happen. We both had concerns about how well, how are we gonna read one book a month, and now I'm kind of like, hey.
1: <laughs> and I will say for books like this, because another listener had also said the same thing that it took her two days. To read this, it took me like a day and a half to read this. It was a really good, uh, simple read, very fantasy level. So stuff like this is like, okay, well,
0: this is not too bad. Yeah, it was a quick read. So what we're talking about for this edition of Book Club is Ash by Melinda Lowe. And uh, Samantha and I are doing it with wine. Yes, we are definitely making
1: this an official Book Club Book Club by adding our own little beverages. And for those who don't drink, I hope you're listening with whatever sparkling water you want, just a regular water, iced tea, hot tea, whatever. Just join, cuddle up, and imagine this as our
0: book club together. Our book club together. I love it. And this was actually a listener recommendation from forever ago when I asked for LGBTQ plus fiction so thanks to the people who wrote in and suggested this one and always 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 keep those recommendations coming we need our next book for next month's book club we need our next movie for feminist movie friday please send in your suggestions yeah. but for today okay ash let's talk about the plots. Yeah. So the story is a reimagining
1: of the Cinderella fairy tale, complete with fairies and magic, split up into two sections, which is the fairy and the hundreds. It's a tale of loneliness and love and magic. It follows Ashling or Ash, and it opens with her mother's death as a young girl. And it's clear that they are very close, and the death really impacts
0: Ash. And I wanted to put in here one of my worst auditions ever and that's actually quite the feat because I've had some bad auditions was for one of the stepsisters in Cinderella but to be fair or to not be fair I was trying to get out of band practice I actually didn't really care (laughs) I just knew if I auditioned I didn't have to go to band practice oh that's fair yeah Uh, when I
1: we had um into the woods with one of our plays and I played the mother of Jack and the Beanstalk Oh. That was pretty funny. I'll say, I, I feel like I was pretty funny. I got a lot of laughs that I do remember. But <laughs> to go back to the name Ash, obviously, is a reference to the Cinderella fairy tale where she's falling asleep in the ashes or cinders of the hearth. And according to Lowe, it also means dreams or visions. And Ash has a lot of those throughout the story. It's definitely intertwined throughout.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, and, and we. Um we forgot to mention, but we were accidentally timely with this pick because uh, 2019 was the 10-year anniversary of this book. Yeah, they they re-released it. Um, They It seemed really perfectly timed. Yeah. Um, But anyway, the world it takes place in is in... The middle of a transition between the old-fashioned ways of magic and those that believe the stories of magic are all fairy tales. Ash's mother, Eleanor, fell into the old-fashioned camp, and she was what was called a green witch. They created potions and they cast spells, some of which her mother recorded in books that later become a huge comfort to Ash when Ash finds them. She also left behind books of fairy tales that Ash reads pretty much every night. One in particular is her favorite, a girl who essentially dies to live in the fairy world she chooses kind of eternal sleep i think Mm -hmm. uh to be in the fairy world as opposed to existing in the real world Mm -hmm. um ash frequently sleeps by her mother's grave hoping to see a fairy and believing that the fairies will be able to reunite her with her mother
1: And then her father, meanwhile, fell into the more logical camp. Soon after his wife dies, he leaves for the city of Royal City to do some trading, leaving Ash at their home in Rook Hill on the border of the Mysterious Wood with a capital W, a place stories say is home to all of the fairies. And when he returned, it's with a new wife named Isabel and her two daughters, Anna and Clara. Ash is obviously unhappy with the situation, feeling as though it was a betrayal to her mother. I can see that. And she continues to search the woods for the fairies and finally makes contact with one. He instructs her to leave, angrily calling her a fool for looking for them at all. Right.
0: When Ash returns home, she discovers her father has fallen seriously ill. One of her mother's friends and fellow Greenwich pushes for treatment of the old ways, telling Isabel if she calls her physician, it will make things worse. Isabel ignores her, and soon after, Ash's father. Dies. She and her stepmother and stepsisters move into Isabel's house called the Quinn House at West Riding, which is five miles outside of rural city and is the famous staging ground of the royal hunt. These hunts are always led by women called huntresses, which is awesome. In
1: yes. this way. So soon after, Isabel informs Ash that her father left behind a series of debts, and to pay them off, she demands that Ash works as a servant. And she works from dawn till dusk, dealing with her stepmother's cruel treatment and abuse That it often involves striking Ash and locking her in the cellar. But at night, she reads the stories her mother left her. When she can, she sneaks out to the woods searching for fairies in a way to bring her mom back. And she again runs into the fairy she met earlier. He's intimidating and mysterious and gives off an air of danger. I'm not gonna lie, when I read this, I kind of thought of like the twilight level. (laughs) <laughs> of <Sure>. Edward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I did that. wonder that. So throughout the series, she has a lot of meetings and she learns his name is Sheen and she begs him to take her with him to the fairy world. But he keeps saying it's not time yet.
0: Also, shout out to Melinda Lowe for having a section on her website on how to pronounce all the names. <laughs> I really wait. appreciate that. We need those, obviously. <laughs> we, any time you can write out the pronunciation of things, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, So years go by. Ash becomes very familiar with the trails of the Royal Woods. She continues to meet with Sheen, and they develop an uneasy friendship, I guess. At the same time, Anna, the oldest daughter, becomes of age, which means Isabel regularly takes her to the city to find a rich husband. And they are very transparent that that is what they are all about. Anna bickers with her younger sister about it, kind of insinuating that a younger sister doesn't know anything. They are both Excited, though, at the prospect of meeting Prince Aiden. One day, Ash falls asleep in the woods, and when she awakes, she sees a woman drinking from the river. They make eye contact, and the woman smiles before disappearing into the wood, and Ash later dreams about this woman.
1: Ash is taken to the city to act as a servant for her stepfamily during Yule. There she meets fellow servant, Gwen, and they become friends. It's really nice to have a few characters who actually like her. Thank you. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> it's so dark. So uh, they attend a party for the servants and ash sees the woman from the wood and realizes she is the royal huntress yeah um and ash sees her again later and instead when she leaves the party early feeling lonely ash skips out on the party too and that night gwen probes ash about her feelings about men obviously and who she wants <laughs> to marry and ash feels uncomfortable and sure. And the conversation makes Ash think of a different kind of love and she obviously desperately misses her mother. Gwen gives her a spell meant to give her dreams of her future husband. Ash takes it and
0: then they return to Quinn house. The morning after they return, Ash gives the spell to her stepsister, Anna, um, and it does not work and Anna angrily calls her rustic Ash goes out that night to meet Sheen, who tells her that he knew her mother. Um, He protects her from other fairies, informing them that Ash belongs to him. But still, he tells her it is not time. But he does give her a medallion to wish for impossible things. Enter the Huntress. (laughs) Ash meets her again in the forest where the huntress is tracking a deer. And they chat about how they've come across each other several times. Ash pulls the classic, I'm lost routine (laughs) uh, to spend more time with her, even though she was not lost at all. Uh, We learn the huntress's name is Kaisa and that they both share a love of the forest. So during this time, Anna begins courting
1: a man or a man begins courting Anna, leaving Ash alone at Quinn House more often. Yay. This allows her more time to wander into the woods and hang with Kaisa. Kaisa offers to teach her how to ride a horse, and they spend several afternoons riding through the forest. Kaisa provides the horse and clothing, saying, you can't ride a horse in a dress.
0: <laughs> I guess that's true. You can, but it's difficult. Yeah, I feel like that pain. i I don't ride horses, so yes, yeah, maybe. No, I don't either.
1: They become closer, and Kaisa divulges some of her history and how she became the royal huntress. And she tells Ash her favorite fairy tale, a story of a huntress who fell in love and made a deal with a fairy to make all this happen. And the deal required her to spend time with the fairy queen, and as time passed, the huntress instead fell in love with the fairy queen instead of the one that she was going after. And the fairy queen loved her as well. Ash. She's more hesitant, believing her station effectively renders her a nobody and is also always torn with thoughts of Sheen in the fairy world. She says perhaps one day she'll share her favorite fairy tale with Kaisa. And it's all kind of awkward and sweet and full of UST, who Annie is having to put in here for me because I didn't know what this was, which means unresolved sexual tension. Thank you, fanfiction world.
0: Yes. Thank you <laughs> so much, Fanfiction World. You've helped me get through this quarantine like you would not believe. <laughs> um, eventually, Kaisa asks if Ash would like to join her on the King's Hunt, and Ash feels like she has never wanted anything more in her life. So she uses the medallion to ask Sheen to make this a reality because her stepmother would never allow it. He tells her there will be a price And she agrees, rather quickly, in my opinion, she agrees. Uh, The wish provides her with a horse, some well-fitting clothes, and a fairy to take Ash's place so that they don't notice she's missing. But the fairy does tell her that she will be recognized by those that know her. Um, The hunt commences. A stag is caught. Much celebration is had. Kaisa's apprentice lore consistently hints that Kaisa has feelings for Ash. Kaisa and Ash have an awkward goodbye since Ash can't explain her haste and nerves and why she has to leave so suddenly as the magic wears off. And then <laughs> Prince Aiden. Remember Prince Aiden from before? Wait, Who? Who? He's essentially the prince in this Cinderella tale. Um, Sends out a letter to every eligible woman to attend a ball that he reluctantly, it's hinted, is throwing in search of a wife. Anna is set on being that wife. So, of course, it culminates in Kaisa asking Ash to Prince Aiden's ball, the soul's Night masquerade. She again goes to Sheen for a wish to let her attend the ball. He reminds her that she will have to pay, and she again agrees. And this is after Ash asks Kaisa if she would not want to be a princess, and Kaisa says it depends on if it means marrying a prince. Ooh, I like. <laughs> yes. very heavy hint. Um, mm-hmm. And so, the day of the ball... Ash finds
1: a very beautiful dress and jewels laid out for her. A carriage awaits. But the driver warns her, the magic will wear off at midnight, very Cinderella-esque. With a mask of her face, Ash weaves through the crowd before she is asked to dance by a mysterious man. Ash agrees, and after the man leads her to her room and asks her to wait, impatient, Ash leaves and searches for Kaisa. It's revealed that the man Ash danced with was, of course, dum-dum-dum, of course. Prince Aiden. And yeah. Ash is the talk of the ball, because you know... She's gorgeous in this new made-up way. Um, Mm -hmm. Kaisa tells Ash she does not like masks and that while the dress is beautiful, it doesn't really suit her. Kaisa deduces that Ash has a debt, but Ash refuses to tell her about it. Kaisa promises Ash that her help comes without a price and that it is her choice, but Ash turns her down and is forced to leave as the bell tolls.
0: Unfortunately, though, she does not beat her stepmother home and she is accused of stealing. How did she get this beautiful dress and all these jewels? And she is accosted and struck several times by her stepmother. Her stepsister rips the jewels from her hair um, before she is locked in the cellar. When she is released, she ventures into the wood knowing the time to pay up his come. And she learns that her mother cursed Sheen after he tried persistently to bring her to the fairy world. Um, And so she cursed him with falling in love with a human girl. So that he would understand love and what it was he was doing and why it was wrong bring humans into the fairy world against their will unfortunately he ended up falling for her daughter oh no ash Uh, he calls it agony and sees that something has changed within ash that ash no longer wants to give up her life for the fairy world that her favorite fairy tale is no longer her favorite fairy tale she wants to live
1: right and
0: Unafraid of her stepmother in the face of possibly never seeing
1: Kaisa again, Ash goes to the ball where the princess is to announce his chosen bride. She wades through the crowd in her cloak and servant's dress and asks Kaisa for a dance. Kaisa agrees and everyone is shocked. They kiss, but then Ash admits she must leave and that she hopes that they will see each other again. I do want to point out that the sister Clara
0: seems to be actually a good character as well. I think she's in a bond at this point. At the end, they certainly do. She's the most sympathetic of the three. um, And that's not saying much for a lot of the story. But towards the end, for sure. Right. Um, So, Ash rushes off to Sheen. And she tells him that if he loves her, he will set her free. He agrees on the condition they spend one night together. And time is different in the fairy world. So, one night Could be a long time in the fairy world. And Samantha and I are going to return to our different (laughs) views on what this (laughs) meant later. Uh, But he promises her she will wake up the next morning in her own world. She asks if she will die, and he says, only a little. So the next morning, she does wake up. She goes to find Kaisa and tells her she is free to love her. And they kiss happily ever after. End of story. End of fairy tale. So that's the plot. Um, And now we're going to discuss some tropes and some of our thoughts about it. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So... One of the big themes in this is one we've talked about a lot, and is one that is in a lot of children's stories especially, and fairy tales especially, and that is of the mother-stepmother. Usually the mother dying and the stepmother being evil and trying to take her place. And I will say it's interesting in the case of this story, you never know for sure whether the stepmother was lying about her father's debts. Right. You don't know. You never know um, what
1: she was implying and or what he had done for her, or what hadn't done for her. Um, there's also this whole evil, like you obviously have a big villain. There's nothing about her that you would want to give sympathy to. She is very obviously the evil stepmother.
0: Yeah, And it, it's been a long time since I've seen the Disney version of Cinderella. Um, or oh, Reddit. Oh, I know she is. Uh, I was just trying to think of comparisons. I, I really loved Ever After when I was in middle school. I loved uh, that movie. Look, I continued throughout the entire time I was I was reading
1: this, comparing it to Ever After because right. it was very similar. Because again, Clara and the other stepsister, they were very sympathetic to. Uh, Cinderella slash Ash. And so that was very similar to that as well. But Angelica Houston did an amazing job in that at the very least, in Ever After, you knew she loved him. Like Mm -hmm. that was the one thing that she had. She may have like had disdain for the Cinderella character, but she loved the
0: husband. Right. And I feel like in this one, the, the best argument you can make that she is sympathetic is that the whole system they were caught up in, that there's no other way to get money or to have property or whatever it is. So there is, like, this level of tension. And it's even addressed outright at one point where Ash feels something like sympathy for Anna, even though Anna is terrible to her. Right. um, Because she sees this pressure that um, Isabel is putting on her daughter to find, like, you have to do this. Right. Or else we're, the whole family is going to have no money and no station and what will we do?
1: Right. And then you do feel sympathy with her trying desperately to find a husband.
0: Uh,
1: yeah. With the curse, or not the curse, with the spell, which obviously she didn't care for.
0: Right. Yeah, that whole scene of, so we're talking about the part where Ash gave Anna the spell um, because she noticed that Anna was taking place part in this day of fasting that is sort of an old ways magic thing. And you say the spell and you fast and then you dream of your husband at night. So she notices that Anna is fasting and gives her the spell. And it kind of reminds me of the whole thing where you're so desperate or, or I've seen this play out where people are so desperate to, to lose weight and they'll try diets that they honestly don't really believe in. But they're right. like, I just, I'm so desperate. I've got to do this thing. So even though she doesn't believe in it, she's just feeling that level of desperation. I will try right. this spell, even though I think it is rustic, especially when it doesn't work. All of a sudden, it's like the stupidest thing ever. Right. Yeah. So that's that's a big trope. Another one related is sort of this women's intuition versus men's logic. And we see that play out with witches and, and the spells and potions that um, Ash's mother took part in. Um, and also this whole like old world, new world fantasy versus the real world thing. Right. Right. Yeah. So it, it is odd reading it with our modern eyes because like the scene where her dad is dying you're definitely, as a reader, meant to be like, no, stick to the old ways. Right. Um, In which they should, in this story, they should have, he was getting better, it just didn't um, look exactly like how they thought it would, and it wasn't, it was kind of slower than they thought, so they switched the position, and that killed him. But looking at it through our modern eyes, you're like, no, science!
1: (laughs) That is very reminiscent of Pan's Labyrinth, if you think about that. Oh, it's been so long since I've seen that. You know, when the mother is sick and she starts putting the things underneath the bed, and the father and the right. husband's like, "No, Matt, like, get rid of this. what is this nonsense?" But she was actually getting better, and right. they got rid of all that, and she ended up dying. But yeah, it's kind of that same level of old culture versus new culture, new technology. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and you see it also in Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> um, yeah, Christina Ricci and her doing the the eye under the bed and people not understanding what she was doing and thinking it was evil. So there there is that and then also yeah, the the whole thing, the the book being divided into the two sections, the fairy and the huntress, sort of represents Ash's t- decision she has to make. Is she going to give up everything and go go into this fantasy world with the fairy, which is where the first half of the book is, that is her goal. That is what she wants. Or, especially as it moves into the later part of the book, is she going to give up on bringing her mother back on this fairy tale world and be with someone she loves in the real world? Right. The Huntress. Right, And I think a lot of that, too is also about going through grief
1: a little bit that yeah. that desperation to go back to and wanting uh, that person that you lost, but sometimes moving past that and accepting what that what has happened and going into a better version of and not for everyone, but that this is a very like binary idea, but it is like, okay, accepting death and then mm-hmm. moving on to live,
0: right. Um, And that's what she ends up doing is she chooses the real world and life after she has squared her debts and can enter a relationship fully and openly. And there's one scene in the book, the the jewels that Anna tore out of um, Ash's hair. When they wake up the next day, they're worthless and fake. Um, So there is that whole layer, too, of fantasy and these these dreams, these daydreams that we have, and what does Dumbledore say? It does not do to dwell in on dreams and forget to live. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that whole thing where it's not real; it's all fake and and one big thing of this book, I will say, is somberness and loneliness mm-hmm. um, that is a theme throughout, so it totally makes sense that she's fantasizing about this what she believes to be this better world, where she doesn't have an evil stepmother and two stepsisters that don't treat her well and she isn't totally alone and maybe her mother is there Like it's kind of, like you said it's almost reminiscent of the stages of grief, of Mm -hmm. bargaining Um, another trope we wanted to talk about is mask and especially in the context of assumed heterosexuality because I think if I had read this book and I had not known going in, that was an LGBTQ plus story, I would have assumed, oh, she, okay, the Prince Aiden, uh, right. they're going to end up somehow together. And I do love that it's a nonsensical bit of like, it could have just not even been in the story. You wouldn't have noticed. I love when she sees him the first time. She's like, oh, he's not that handsome. Right, like that, this is the guy that they're fighting over? They yeah. said he was handsome? Are you yeah. kidding me? I
1: liked that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I think I had a, like a Seth Rogen picture of like, oh. oh, he's assumed to be handsome because he's got A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, he's fine.
0: There's nothing wrong with him, but
1: there's nothing no. really great
0: about him. He, to me, he reminded me of Prince Harry. I think he was described as having like thin red hair. I could be wrong, but that's that was the image I got I, in my head. Oh, I guess I also pictured like a, a little bit of like a dad bod happening. Nothing yeah, wrong with that. For sure.
1: No. But I'm just saying, like, that's what I imagine as instead of like your Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth, which typically sure.
0: is the prince traditional. Yeah. Like, what it? Lauren and um, our coworker and friend Lauren? She calls that um, Disney prince bod. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if I hadn't known going in, even though I do feel the romance with kaisa and ash it was very clear when i knew that i don't know if i would have picked up on it otherwise and i also was thinking like if kaisa had been a guy it would have changed how i felt about certain scenes because there's one part where she shows up at her house kind of unannounced when she's alone and that would have had a different vibe Right. Um, If it had been a dude, at least for me. I don't think it necessarily has to, but...
1: Right. I think there was also a part of that, that they make uh, Kaisa a little bit masculine in that she seems to be a player. Laura even says, I thought you were just one more of her lovers. Right. And I I feel like that was purposeful. and, uh, Mm -hmm. And I wondered why that would be that other than to play on the fact, A, maybe... To talk about that, that in that society, that was not an abnormal thing for same-sex couple to happen. They seemed accepted. Or, but at the same time, be that she got around. And so you may be that, that, supposed to put that little bit of doubt of like whether you're special or not. And so mm-hmm. they need to make sure she understood how special she was. But I was like, that's kind of like, maybe that's an understatement to say. It seems masculine-esque to put that in terms of someone who is very powerful and or seen as powerful.
0: Yeah, and I wonder how much of that is. um, This book came out in 2009, which a lot has changed since then. Right. And and just a way of being like, nah, she might be interested in you. (laughs) (laughs) Like you. Um, Because Ash was kind of, I don't, maybe oblivious isn't the right word, but she didn't seem to be picking up on a lot of things.
1: Right. Also, she was definitely that perfect, innocent girl who didn't know how amazing she was or how gorgeous she was. And I'm like, that is an absolute trope in itself where she just doesn't know how beautiful
0: she is and we see it, but she doesn't. She just needs to wipe the ash off her face.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We just need to straighten her hair and take off the glasses.
0: It is funny, though. You don't really, or, or maybe I missed it, but I feel like I didn't really get that vibe until someone outright says it. When Clara tells her, right. that, towards the like maybe like middle, uh, before that I wasn't really sure. Um, but exactly. yeah, Clara outright is like, "Oh, you're so beautiful. You're so much better than Anna." <laughs> yeah, I think that's exactly where we were all trying to
1: figure out. Like, and and that says a lot about myself. And it's also like, "How good looking is she? Could she get away with this in real life?" I uh, um, Yeah, you know, and it could all talk about ableism and the fact that she is able to be perfectly quote unquote normal in that aspect.
0: Yeah. um, And and one of the scenes, the scene where Kaisa says, like, I don't like mask, uh, the dress looks good, but doesn't suit you. uh, A lot of people have interpreted that as sort of a, critique's not the right word, but like pointing to LGBTQ plus people having to wear this mask to hide their true selves. And so at the end, when Kaisa, I'm assuming kind of dramatically, shows up at the ball without a mask and is like, you, Kaisa, we're dancing together and they kiss, is sort of her finally taking it off Mm -hmm. and being herself.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, she does seem to have this struggle of like, Shane is is declared, declared as Mel and then Prince Aiden, like she has these choices yeah, or her preference is, or her, her uh, sexuality leans towards
0: Kaisa instead. Yes, or oh, that's who she loves. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of love, that is another big trope in this whole thing. So th- there's the trope of marrying rich and classism, which throughout, Ash feels like she is not worthy of Kaisa because she is a servant. Um, she, so th- there is this layer of like, I am not in your class, so we cannot be together. And there, there's a whole scene where Ash tells Clara, you, you know, you don't have to marry for riches, you can marry for love. And that's sort of the beginning of their tentative truce, even though Clara totally rejects her when she says it the first time because she's like, you don't understand what it's like. Like, there's so much pressure to do this. And if I don't, then how will I live? Mm-hmm. Um. So there's that, and as we talked about, Ash having this pity around uh, the pressure placed on Anna by her mother to marry someone of high status. Um, There's Gwen, who seemingly does not understand that Ash doesn't want to be with someone, particularly a man, um, that it's not her whole thing, that it's not her end-all, be-all.
1: Right. I think Gwen's character is definitely the giggly schoolgirl. Sure. Sure.
0: Yeah, she's I I loved Gwen. She's like, uh, every time you see her, she has a different, like, dude she's after.
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, that's exactly the point. I think she was the comic relief in it all. I did want to talk about the fact that I found it interesting when she, in comparison to the hunting outfit that the fairies gave her versus the dress that the fairies gave her and her feeling, and also being the fact that the boots were supposed to be her slippers, even though she never lost her slippers, but that it fit to her feet so perfectly. Right. Um, And I find that she was more comfortable, which could be a hit or miss um, in conversations when it comes to the LGBTQ expectations um, of dressing
0: in general. But I found that an interesting commentary. Yeah, because the Woods was such a big part of who Mm -hmm. she was and what she loved. Um, But, okay, we would be remiss if we did not talk about what we said we would, which is where Samantha and I had a very different interpretation. And it's really telling of our personalities right. about what happened when she agreed to spend the night with Sheen.
1: Right. I think I think this is a good time for an ad break. And then we come back in because I think it's okay. a good minute of a conversation.
0: All right. So we'll take one more quick break and then we'll be back. We're back. Thank you, sponsor.
1: Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and jump in because I found it very interesting and very telling for both of us because we also had our producer, Andrew, as a part of this conversation towards the Mm -hmm. end before we started recording this portion that there is a conversation of the fact that she has to prove to him what love is and what love truly means. And Mm -hmm. that according to the mother's book, the way to break this deal, to break this curse, I guess, slash deal conversation is to show him, sheen what love truly is. Right. And love means sacrificing or giving up that person if they don't love you, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, but that still promised a night. And we did talk about the fact that the very world, a night might be longer than a night. But in essence, like, he grabs her hands and they talk about what this looks like. And if she's going to die a little bit, all of these things. So for me as a very, uh, I I will say it's very heteronormative relationship, but at the same time, you know, and I do enjoy, we talk about sex and what we enjoy and what we don't enjoy, but I'm like, yeah, obviously part of the giving of the love was her giving up her virginity and, and having sex with the dude Um, as to show, yeah, this is love. This is us together. This is giving to each other, whatever, whatnot. And that was my explanation of what he expected from love. And
0: Annie... (laughs) That never even occurred to me. Not once. I never thought they had sex. I just thought they spent some weird time in fairy world. And I was shocked but this was an interpretation. I love, so my interpretation of her interpretation was
1: what? This is like a 1950s Leave it to Beaver type of episode where they sleep in single beds next to each other and just call each other mama and papa for a little bit and move on in life. Yes. And, and a fairy tale.
0: You know, we should come back and talk about this more in depth because I have been thinking about this a lot. I had a really enlightening conversation with my friend about essentially, what is love? Um, And I I guess to me, like,
1: exactly.
0: Had a day was there before anybody. Um, But essentially, I think, I guess I assumed to me, love is respect and consent. And so I assumed like if he truly loved her and she doesn't want to do that, then they didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's really naive and um, oblivious of me. But that was my thought. Like, maybe she did. And I
1: saw from her point of view that this is the sacrifice she was willing to give to be released from this contract, which is a very different tale in itself that that she knew. And I assume when she asked him, is this gonna, am I gonna die? And he said, just a little. I assume that it was part of like, because it is, it's the mourning of a loss of something of yourself, sure. um, which is a whole deeper perception. And not everyone has those experiences. And that takes it down to a really dark road. But the level of sacrifice, 2009, Melinda Lowe, I can't tell you what she was thinking, but in that mind of what are you willing to go ahead and get through with in order to sacri- to get back to your own? And what does that look like? And, and we've had this conversation of many women, somehow I'm taking it back to here, uh, who have always been to that portion of, it was easier just to get it over with sure. than to fight it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the same culmination of what I saw her saying, might as well get this done with. I'll sacrifice this bit of myself to get to the happiness that I need to get to.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I totally understand and see that point And probably that is what... <laughs> I don't know if that's the truth. I mean, I like your version better
1: well, where they just hang out and watch some Netflix and they eat some popcorn and then
0: call it a night and go to their separate bedrooms and enjoy. Yeah. Well, and I, see, I want to come back and talk about this so badly because I feel like this is something I've been struggling with. I know for a lot of people, love is, sex is a part of that. Mm-hmm. But for someone like me, it's not. And so, it, it's caused a lot of anxiety and just like concern um, in, in my own relationships, because uh, it, it literally didn't even occur to me. Right. Um, and I think that says a lot. Right. And I'm and- really sad that we didn't have that on record, me
1: and you recording this conversation that you and I had, because it was yeah. such a, a big... What what moment that it was, I was like, like?
0: What? Are you huh? talking
1: about? Yeah, I, it really was. And I'm thinking,
0: wow. I think maybe I'm just very not. I'm just I very want, oblivious. I want to live in your world. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we should definitely come back and talk about it though, um, because I have it, it has been on my mind a lot lately. Because um, I had a friend. She was talking about. I don't want to go into the whole conversation, but basically it, it boiled down to, I couldn't believe that if someone wanted to have sex with me, that they thought I had any other value. Like that is all they want. So for me, like, I think there's some kind of disconnect between sex and love and it's all messed up. Um, So I I think that could be said for everyone else, but the level of trauma and, or just
1: level of preference in itself can make it very disjointed in the yeah.
0: conversation in itself. For sure. Um, so that is a conversation we shall return to. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, and I think, like, we both agreed uh, overall the book was really good, but it, well, I know a listener wrote in and said it's kind of anticlimactic. It does feel like it's like it leads up to it and then it just ends, which right. I know fairy tales are like that. Like, that's the whole thing is it's happily ever after and you just assume how their life plays out. But yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. And I'm not really big into romance, but I was like, yay, get together. (laughs) Please.
1: (laughs) And yeah, again, just like uh, we were talking about a previous uh, listener said it was a really easy read. And it was. It was a really easy read. It's like maybe a two-hour read. Nice little moment of, huh. Yeah. What would happen if fairies exist?
0: Yeah. I really enjoyed it. So... Those are our thoughts on uh, Ash by Melinda Lowe. And now we need your thoughts on what our next book should be so we can get to reading. Um, Please, please, please send in your suggestions. Any uh, movie suggestions too for our uh, next Feminist Movie Friday and any streaming and entertainment recommendations, which um, I actually logged into Netflix for the first time in several, I don't know how long. Really? And I was shocked at autoplay. I do not approve. I hear you can turn it off. You can. But it's not my account. <laughs> so I'll check with the owner of the account about that.
1: Well, all of Supernatural is on there, Annie. So if you want to start uh, from season one all the way through, it's all the way there. Um, don't tell me about the final season because I
0: haven't seen it. Well, the the newest episode came out this Monday, And they said they don't know when they're going to come back. So, yeah, you might have to wait a long time.
1: Oh, no. Well, maybe they'll add it to Netflix. But, uh, yeah, so tell us their streaming recommendations because I've watched the same four shows repeatedly Mm -hmm. um, because I'm still in the realms of leaving the social work world. So I don't like anything too realistic or too traumatic. Don't give me those. Mm -hmm. Um, But we need good suggestions you all obviously have already talked about doing a Netflix party yeah. where we get to watch a couple of things maybe we could do it as a whole with spinty because we don't know I don't know if too many people would be interested but if y'all are interested maybe we can have one giant Netflix party oh yeah with our spinty listeners where we get to just chat because I yeah. know y'all are looking for content something different and please let us know what you want because we are just as confused
0: we as are you. <laughs> and we'll definitely um, do a roundup of suggestions people send in and we'll add our own suggestions in case you are looking for some streaming recommendations or other entertainment recommendations. So, if you would like to email us those recommendations, you can. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou or on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I'm never told you's production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.